The reading is from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, Report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Richard. If we've uh, not met, and we're going to consider these uh, words uh, from Matthew, which were read for us together, uh, shall we pray as we come to do that together? Our Lord Jesus, you are our God, our servant King. You call us now in your word to follow you. And so please, would you speak to us uh, in these words by your Spirit, and would you move our hearts to bring our lives as an offering of worship to you, our servant King. Amen. Well, as we get going, I feel like I should warn you, uh, Matthew's account of Christmas, his Christmas story, is not very Christmassy. Uh, certainly if by Christmassy you mean uh, sort of light and warm and uh, gathered around the fire and comforting and gentle, it isn't that. Uh, we loved seeing some of the children earlier acting out at a part of the story. As Matthew 2 goes on, you'd be less and less keen to have young children acting it out, and certainly it wouldn't feel cute if they did. Uh, especially the story of King Herod. It's a story of court intrigue, of power plays and drama. As the chapter goes on, it's a story that gets dark and violent and gruesome. It's not very Christmassy. 
And the message of uh, the verses that we just had read for us, the beginning of Matthew 2, the message isn't particularly Christmassy either. If by Christmassy, again, you mean sort of like a, a warm hug and gentle and fuzzy. Now, Matthew is going to ask us uh, fairly starkly, here are two responses to Jesus. You've got Herod, you've got the wise men, the magi, two responses to Jesus. How do you respond uh, to the baby? I thought I'd warn you up front, it's fairly stark, it's fairly blunt. You can't just leave him as a cute, cuddly baby in the manger. How do you respond to him? Will be Matthew's question to us this morning. So with that warning up front, let's jump in. And the story, really, the first couple of verses in this chapter set the story, set the scene, introduce us to our key characters. Let me read those again. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. So you've got got Jesus, he'll be fairly key in this uh, story. You've got Herod, we'll come to him in a moment. You've got the Magi, uh, this calls them, the wise men, and uh, the star. Uh, Just for a moment, what about this star? Uh, It appears, they've seen it, they've come, it leads them to the house. What's going on? I don't know. Uh, And as I've been doing some reading this week, no one really uh, knows, as far as I can tell. Uh, Maybe something astronomical, you know, a a supernova, and they've seen it. Uh, Maybe something astrological, as planets or constellations have lined up, and they've, you know, consulted their uh, horoscopes and gone, oh, that means something. Uh, Maybe something sort of more immediate, miraculous. Uh, like in the Old Testament, where they're led by a pillar of fire. Maybe this is some burning orb, you know, hovering 20 feet above the air, uh, leading them along. If it was, it wouldn't be the biggest uh, miracle in Matthew's Gospel. Maybe something else. Uh, I don't know. And if you want to jump into that rabbit hole, uh, if you've got some time this side of Christmas and uh, you know, want to have some fun with that, knock yourself out. Uh, plenty's been written. I would say, though, don't go there yet. Don't lose the wood for the trees. Matthew brings us this star because it's meant to lead us to Jesus, to worship him. So do come to him first, and then if you want to have some fun with the star, uh, go for it. Knock yourself out. Uh, The wise men, the Magi, they come to Herod. Where's the king of the Jews been born? And we'll come back to them, but first Herod's uh, response. Herod, his power means that he fears Jesus. His power means that he fears Jesus. Uh, We pick it up, verse 3. When King Herod heard this, this king of the Jews, this star, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Herod is disturbed at the idea that there's another king of the Jews. That was his title, his job. He'd been appointed that by the Roman authorities, king, uh, in, uh, king in Jerusalem, king of the Jews, and there's another one. And Herod wasn't one who shared power well. A few years after this happened, uh, two of his sons, he suspected that they were plotting against him to take his power. He had them both killed. On the day of his death, he had a whole bunch of Jewish leaders killed along with him, to make sure none of them could take his power. He didn't share well 
And now here come these strangers, these foreigners, saying there's a a king of the Jews. Where is he? We, We want to worship him. Herod is disturbed. And he gathers his experts together. What does the Bible say? Where's the king going to be born? Bethlehem? Okay, okay, fine. He brings the Magi back, verse 7. He called the Magi secretly, found out from them the exact time the stars appeared. Now he knows where and when. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Spoiler alert, he's not going to worship the baby Jesus. Uh, if he wanted to, these wise men, they've trekked all the way from the east. It's just a few miles to Bethlehem. If he wanted to worship, he'd have said, get in my car, I'll give you a lift, we'll, we'll go the rest of the way. No, as the chapter goes on, he wants to know where and when so that he can send his soldiers to kill this rival king. His power and this perceived threat to his power means he fears Jesus. And it's the same is true today. Last year, the UK Foreign Office commissioned a report into religious persecution around the world to find out what's going on. And the report came back and said that about a third of the world's population faces religious persecution. And of those people, 80%, four out of five, are Christians. 80% of a third of the world's population faces religious persecution because they are Christians. It is still true in the 21st century that power and states and rulers fear Jesus and still want to kill his people. But it isn't just kings and governments. Did you notice in verse 3? When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. The whole city hears this news of a king, of a Messiah, and the whole city is disturbed. You see, you and I, we may not have the power to click our fingers and send our soldiers to kill someone, but there are areas of our lives where we like having power that we like to be in charge of. And as Pete was saying earlier, when we can't have our way, we get sad, we get mad, we behave bad, because we don't want someone else telling us how to run things. And sometimes that means other people get hurt, as it did in the case of King Herod. But we want to be in charge. And when Jesus comes along, and as you read his teaching, he makes serious demands. And in all kinds of areas of our life that we hold very closely, he wants us to change and to listen to him and follow him. And so it's not just in the golden, glamorous, glitzy courts, but in your home and mine, that to the extent we have power, we can fear Jesus. What's he going to do? What's he going to ask of me? Am I going to like it? That's Herod. His power means he fears Jesus. But there is another way. There is another response. It's the wise men, the magi, and they have a different view of Jesus. And actually, they have a different view of their own power as well. 
Uh, now, these uh, three kings were not uh, three, probably, and weren't kings, uh, to, to just put a pin in that bubble. Uh, they're called magi, wise men is another uh, way of saying it. And they weren't kings, but they did have some kind of power. To be able to take the time to make this long journey, to have all the, the, the supplies and the attendance and the gatherings that you need to do that, not just anyone will be able to do that. They're a, a position of power and of wealth to have the, the disposable income, the disposable time to make this trip. And the gifts they bring to the baby Jesus, gold, frankincense, myrrh, they're costly things. Apparently, I'm told, myrrh at this time, by weight, was more expensive than gold. These are costly gifts. These magi have wealth. They have some kind of power. But they don't see Jesus as a threat to it. They see their power and wealth as a means to worship Jesus. See, for Herod, the more he has, the more he fears Jesus. For them, the more they have, the more they have opportunity to worship Jesus with it. Their wealth is a means to worship Jesus. And let's read about them from uh, verse 9. Uh, he tells them to go to Bethlehem and come back. And after they've heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they'd seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. That's their response to Jesus. And if it's surprising that no one in Jerusalem bothers to join them on the trip to Bethlehem, in some ways it's even more surprising that they are there at all. They've come looking, they tell us, right at the beginning, for the king of the Jews. They are foreigners, not Jews. He's not our king. There's no obligation on them to come and worship. They don't know what kind of reception they'll receive. This word magi, add a C to the end of it, you get magic. It's where our word magic comes from. They were involved in all kinds of arts and practices that Jewish culture and Jewish religion would have found abhorrent. They don't have to be there. They don't know what kind of welcome they'll receive. And they get nothing from this, nothing tangibly. They come, they rejoice, they worship, they give, and they leave. They're not there to, to mark a trade deal or to bargain for anything. They come, they give their gifts, they leave. They get no benefit from it. They don't have to be there. Why are they? Because, like all of us, they are drawn, compelled, captivated to worship that which is beautiful and glorious and majestic. I looked it up this week at the Grand Canyon in America. Uh, apparently, in a typical year, which I guess means any year apart from this one, but in a typical year, 5.9 million people go to see the Grand Canyon every year. They call it six million, to round it up, but six million people every year go and see the Grand Canyon, not because they have to, not because they get anything from it, but because they are drawn to see something that is beautiful and glorious and majestic. As were these at Magi. And they were drawn to Jesus. They would say to those 5.9 million people, they'd say to us, if you want to see something that's worth traveling, 
that's worth leaving your richest treasures, come to church. And we know it's not the same at the moment, and as we face a new year, and if you come to church in person, it's not everything we, we long for. And if you're at home watching on the screen, it's not the same. Still, they would say, come to church, keep coming. Because there is something about Jesus that is so captivating, so beautiful, so compelling. Look at verse 9, verse 10. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They had no need to be there. They got nothing from it. They left astonishingly expensive gifts behind. And they were overjoyed. Or actually, other translations uh, would say they rejoiced greatly with a great joy, which uh, here has been smoothed over because that's a waste of words. You don't need to say they rejoiced greatly with a great joy. But Matthew's point is there's an exuberance, there's an overabundance. They went home singing that for a moment they'd got to see Jesus. They rejoiced greatly with a great joy. Now, what is it about Jesus that they found so compelling? We don't know for sure. We don't know exactly what they'd heard about him before they made their journey. They knew there was a king of the Jews. We don't know exactly what they heard about him in Jerusalem. If you read through Matthew's account of Jesus' life, there's a thousand ways in which Jesus is compelling, is the kind of man, the kind of leader, the kind of God that we long for. If you've never done that, if you've never had a chance to read through one of the accounts of Jesus' life, you could get in touch with the church office. We would love to find someone to do that with you. But for them, I wonder, I think Matthew might be hinting, the thing they found compelling is what we just sung, that Jesus came as a servant king. He certainly wasn't quite the king they were expecting. They turned up to Jerusalem, to the palace, because where else would a king be born, apart from surrounded by the wealth and the attendants? But no, they find him in Bethlehem, a nowhere little town, in a normal little house, just a toddler, playing with his mum. And he's not a king like Herod either. Do you see that quote uh, that we, I skipped over it? Uh, verse 6, uh, Herod asks the experts of the Bible, where's the king going to be born? And they say, verse 6, you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler. And they could have stopped there. That's answered the question, where? Bethlehem, job done. But they carry on. Who will shepherd my people Israel? And actually, if you go back to Micah, where that's from, uh, th that bit about a shepherd, it's a, f a couple of verses later. They've skipped over some stuff, or Matthew's skipped over some stuff, just to make sure we hear Jesus will be a shepherd. One who will care for his people who will serve them, tend to them, feed them, provide for them, and bring them home. Herod is the kind of king who will take from his people and who will kill to keep his hold on power. Jesus is a king who will give his life for his people, the good shepherd who will lay down his life for the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd who will search for the sheep who are scattered through the world, who at the end of Matthew's gospel says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, all authority, not just a king of the Jews. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Therefore go to the east, follow the wise men back to their home, make disciples there and the north and the south and the west. Go 
and make disciples of all nations. If, like Herod, there's a part of us that fears Jesus because he will take power from us, in one sense that makes sense because he makes demands on his people. But in another sense, that's crazy when you know what kind of king Jesus is. That he's come as a shepherd to serve his people, to lay down his life, to give life for his people. There's two responses to Jesus. King Herod, his power means he fears Jesus. The Magi, their wealth they see as a means to worship Jesus. Fear or worship? Where are you? And as we finish, just for a moment, consider the outcome of those two responses. King Herod, as I said later in this chapter, he sends his soldiers to try and kill all of the toddlers in Bethlehem because he wants Jesus dead. But God protects his son and Jesus is safe. Thirty years later, Jerusalem manages finally to kill Jesus and God protects his son, and three, years later, three days later, Jesus rises from the dead. If, like Herod, you want to fear Jesus, if you want to fight him to maintain your own power, Herod's experience was he spent his life looking over his shoulder, and in the end, he lost. On the other hand, the wise men rejoiced greatly with a great joy Because seeing Jesus, worshipping Jesus, satisfied them and compelled them and was enough to leave all their treasures and they didn't care anymore because they just got to see Jesus. And so Matthew would say, whatever 2021 is going to look like, to know joy, follow the star, follow the wise men, follow the prophets to Bethlehem. Come and worship this king. Because in him there is a great joy, and you can rejoice greatly. Let's uh, pray together again. Our Father, as we start to come away from this season of Christmas, and we've been talking, uh, some of us, about this baby uh, for a long time, and hearing stories that we've heard many times before, some of us. And as we look to a new year, and there's a temptation in all of us to uh, leave Jesus behind, we've had this little season, and uh, now we forget about him and get on with whatever the pressures and the joys of the next year will be. Please help us to reckon wisely with Jesus, like the wise men. And please would you open our eyes to see the beauty and how captivating and compelling he is to see that he's the one who comes as the eternal king, but to serve. And please would you draw us at increasing worship of him. Amen.